All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. This is Chasing Function, and this is Kai. And this is Noah. And we're back with jeans. More jeans? You got? Did you get new jeans? I, I don't wear jeans. Only uh, leg, uh, jeggings. Jeggings? Stop it. <laughs> you say jeggings? Bro, you got to get the barbell apparel jeans. They're cut for people who lift weights, and they got a little spandex in them. Or what's up? No, I I just don't enjoy wearing jeans. And they look good. They look Barbell Apparel, if you're out there, hear Sponsor. me. Sponsor. Sponsor. Your pants are freaking expensive. Just shout you out to all of our people. Send me pants. I'm losing weight and I can't afford to buy all new Barbell Apparel <laughs> pants. <laughs> Please. Oh um, my god. But anyways, jeans. Yeah, barbell apparel jeans. Look good, feel good. Use the discount, root solution, ten percent. <laughs> Bro, I freaking wish I have to wait until every like Black Friday. I go and buy more because I always have a Black Friday deal where they're like fifty bucks off, and I'm like, all right, here we go, like time to go buy some. Knocking up. And so every year I buy like a new pair, and I haven't really like changed size. Well, now those pants don't fit me anymore, so I got to go get new new ones. But I don't want to talk about this. This is ridiculous. Uh, let's talk about jeans. All right, so. Last week, we talked about epidemiology and, of course, got lots of feedback around epidemiology. And, um, you know, the feedback was interesting. Like, a lot of people had questions regarding, like, like my thoughts around epidemiology. And I had to continue to reframe, like, reestablish that. Like, I'm not a genealogist, right? Like, these are just basic frameworks that I understand. But the one thing that I do want to talk about is just kind of giving you, like, a scenario around epidemiology so let's first like take a second epidemiology versus genealogy right genealogy is the genes that exist epidemiology is expressed genes right so we have up to two terabytes of genes in existence in our body right of those two terabytes we only use like roughly like i think it was like five to seven percent um through epidemiology so your genes don't really matter the expression of the gene does matter, right? Last week we had gotten into elder down syndrome and some other different syndromes that are um, questionable genetic syndromes. Um, and we had kind of defended how they happen and things like that. And so one of the questions I'd gotten was if somebody was like high level on the spectrum with like autism or had some sort of other, um, for lack of a better word, like genetic retardation, right? And so one of the things I want to talk about with this idea of, of epidemiology, right? Epidemiology starts at the beginning, right? It starts at when you're conceived. And I think this is the thing that people don't understand is the upward journey from conception to birth has its own lines of... Um, for lack of better word, load, right? So like the way you eat as a mother like affects genetic development, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the amount of stress in your body, right? Uh, they found that like women that are abused, their kids come out with like more issues. They find that, you know, women that use drugs come out with more issues and things along those lines, right? I think what people don't really think about with the body and, and the thing is, is, we've kind of perpetuated in the way we talk is that everything functions around this prediction observation model, right? Mm -hmm. But the prediction observation model is once development is done, right? Yeah. 
So this idea of my body creates a prediction and then the observation either matches or doesn't match only happens at a certain point developmental developmentally. Typically, I believe it's, they say it's right around that like nine year change. Yeah. And so the thing to consider is it's backwards for babies. There's no prediction. There's only observation, right? Which is why it's so important as parents that we protect our kids, right? Because they don't know things are hot. They don't have that inherent build, right? But what I'll tell you is if you think about just the birthing, just the birthing process, the traditional birthing process, right? So baby's ready to come out. Perceived is healthy, right? There's this process where the body says it's time. There's this hard push, an aggressive push through the birthing canal where the baby is squeezed tightly. When you talk to people, doctors around this birthing process, the trauma of birthing is the jump start of epidemiology. Right? Well, that's like considered the load or the stress. That's the load, right? Because you, as a baby, there's a considerable amount of stress being birthed right that stress is what tells the body's system to come online yeah so the the peripheral nervous system becomes stimulated at that moment right our number one precursor around safety as people is our peripheral nervous system right so consider a couple things one first exposure to light two First exposure to, uh, we'll call it oral prenatal vitamins that establish gut culture, right? Because they're no, they're taking things in now from the mouth rather than taking it in through the placenta, right? All of these things begin the process of load, and so this is what it, when you start having these conversations that around epidemiology, I think. The confusion lies in everybody's like, well, like, how could load possibly dictate our body's response? Look at how our lives start. It starts with a traumatic event. Well, I mean, so I think, well, I don't know if it's peripheral or central nervous system, but Gabor Mate talks a lot about like, your nervous system is connected to your mother. So you do have load, but I'm, I'm guessing you meant that it's now you by yourself are taking in the peripheral nervous system versus it's the, the on, it's, it's the online system, right? Because you have to understand the software is being established from the mother. Right. So there still is load, but when you think about the, the senses, which are the primary function around the peripheral nervous system, the senses haven't come online yet, right? The senses only come online when they start, when feel is involved, right? So this is also, this is where things get a little bit weird around the idea that like, is there another sense, right? Is there something we're not taking into consideration? Because, you know, I look at my kids and I see this like inherent ability to, I mean, at the risk of getting too woo, but they have this inherent ability to feel, like feel people, feel people's energy, feel like they feel, they feel danger in a way that I can't understand. 
right? And you can talk, we can talk about it being altruistic and all these other things. But <laughs> I do firmly believe that we have more senses that are dulled because of the, ex- the amount of exposure that we have. Well, um, then we talked about that a long time ago in a previous podcast about the like quote unquote psychic ability, right? Like we have this right. uh, energy sense. And it gets dulled down because we, you know, oh, like that's just butterflies in my stomach. That's just this or that's just that. So you kind of like uh, devalue it. But I mean, your girls haven't been exposed to so much trauma yet that they, you know, turn that that signal down to where it's like, oh, no, that's just my head. I'm thinking these things. Right. Yeah. Right. And that I think that's true. I think that's true of most, you know, you, you go into the idea of the empath, right? Like we see a lot yeah. of people that maybe that, that, that doesn't get doled out. Right. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that is that connection to the mother, but, but in, in sake of conversation, um, I think what stands out to me is when you look at the birthing process, how you are birthed is going to indicate load. So like, let's take into consideration, right? They say babies that have C-sections or come from C-sections don't have as established gut cultures. Yeah. They say that they have higher likelihood of having um, like birth-related sicknesses. They say that like there's, there's like lots of reasons not to have C-sections, right? Yeah. Well, what are we missing in a C-section? We're missing the birth canal. We're missing the pressure from the birth canal. We're missing all of the bacteria that the, the internal bacteria that's created from the birth canal. We're missing all of these things from that, that process. Right. You know, the same thing is true of like not drinking mother's milk. Like, I mean, you can go on for days, right. On how at a very early age load is severely affected. Right. Because of the way kids are raised. Right. And so I, I guess my point is, when people start asking these questions about like, when does this stuff start? Right. It starts there. Mm-hmm. It starts at the beginning, right. It starts at the very, very beginning. Like, and, and it, and it, it breeds upward, you know, and it, I, I know they can't do long-term studies around those like things along the lines of like a C-section and like it's effect on the person for, you know, their lifetime and things like that. But what I wonder is I wonder how much, if we really, really paid attention to it, how much we could track around epidemiology from that point on, right? Yeah. The other thing that really stands out about me, about this, this thought process, is that our, our body, it always responds to load. Yeah. Always. Epidemiology is straight up load right so our body's always responding and it's this battle of trying to predict versus what's happening right but what happens is always going to be the what's going to dictate the outcome of your body right stimulus is dictated by impacted load whether it be biological feedback and pain whether it be emotional damage or whether it be as simple as like strength training, right? Yeah. So I think the thing to think about, you know, 
when I talked to some people about the the, the podcast last week, it, it's easy to downplay the importance of controlling variability and load, but I wonder as humans how different we are from tribal human because load expression is so different. You know, I, I had watched a video of, um, I can't remember his name, but he was in, he was in an African tribe and he was watching them. They were jumping, they were doing pogos. I think you've yeah. probably, everyone's seen this, right? Yeah. And they were doing pogos like three, four feet high and everybody was doing them. Not one of them, not two of them. All of them were doing it. And this guy's like, what the fuck? Barefoot. And barefoot. They were, they've been barefoot from a young age and they've been training that way at a young age. They start those kids jumping early on because their capacity for running is, in, is insanely important. That specific tribe spent a lot of time running, right? And that's how they hunted and things like that. And it was through attrition. They would wait out animals until they got tired and then they would kill them, yeah. right? But they were training that at a very young age. And so all of them just were able to do it, right? And so he was like, well, they all have high hamstrings. Or I'm sorry, high calves, right? Well, do they have high calves because they've been training a specific pattern at a young age? No, it's because right? their mom and dad had it. <laughs> totally. Right. <laughs> right. Well, of course, mom and dad had it. So, <laughs> so you know, and it's the same thing that they talk about with like Jamaican runners. And they talk about like all these things along these lines. And it's like, it's integrated into their systems through exposure, right? And so why am I bringing this up? Like, why are we talking about this? One, because I had some questions around it. And two, and more importantly, I still think it's a really interesting idea that we're in control of so much more than we think, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that it what it comes down to in, in my head and in, in my thinking is it's protect or adapt, right? That's like our whole um, like mechanism, right? It's our right. body is trying to protect itself or adapt to the stress or load or whatever it may be. And it, it goes hand in hand with like surviving, right? Like that tribe has to survive by hunting food, their food down. If they don't do that, they don't get food, therefore they die. Right. And um, and our body is so adaptable, but at the same time, that that phrase of use it or lose it comes into play too, right? Because if you are part of that tribe and you decide to leave the tribe and go to a different one where they don't hunt their food and everything's given to them and they go buy it at the market or whatever, then you don't develop those high calves, right? right? And then, but your genetics have that predisposition of like your mother and father had those high calves. You should have those high calves. But if you don't um, stress it with that load of jumping and sprinting and running and all these things, those genes aren't going to express themselves to that load and therefore give you the high high caps right so if you don't it's like what did they say um you know like they see all this potential in somebody but they don't use it right like someone who's so super smart in math should go to harvard or should go to 
uh, Berkeley or, or all these like high level places, but they want to go and play music or something like that. So it's right. like, <clears throat> yes, we do have all these things that are, um, that are there for us. There's all these opportunities, but if you don't use the things that you have for those opportunities, you won't, you won't get them. And I think that that is a, an important piece that I think we're trying to, to get across is like, you know, with the, um, hypermobile joints, right? Like, yes, you have those, those genes that could be like, you have lax laxity in your joints, but there's load that you can put on that to reverse it or to, um, lessen that, that gene, right? Like to use it in the, I guess I would I wouldn't say bad way, but like to turn that genes down because it is more vulnerable for pain, for injury, for anything like that. And you reverse that gene down so that you may have sturdier joints, stiffer joints, so that you don't get hurt. Yeah, I mean, that's well said, right? I think it's funny, I think about I watched a video of Mike Tyson talking about his son and they were like, so like your son's got your genes, obviously, right? He's built yeah. like a shit house. He's strong. He's all these things. He said, he's training to be a boxer. Do you think he'll be a champion? Mike Tyson said, no. And they said, wait, what? <laughs> Why? And he's like, he's not tough. He doesn't have enough resilience. Right. Yeah. He's like, I grew up. I had to fight. Yeah, I started fighting when I was thirteen. He said he was fighting grown men when he was thirteen. He said mm-hmm. he'd get in a fight with guys' sons and then fight the dads after. And he's like, it was a way of life for me. I had to fight to survive. He's yeah. like, so I had to get good at fighting and develop this killer instinct about me in order to become a champion. He's like, and I, you know, when when I was in the heart of my 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 run, I was angry, yeah. very very angry. And he said he was hostile and he was ferocious and all these things. And it's easy to laugh it off, but to the point, right? He expressed a gene of resilience. Yeah. Of I'm going to do this or I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's something to be to be really considered here, right? It's just because it's like you have genetic potential it doesn't mean that you have the mental capacity, the trauma, or anything else, really, right? You can't take those things for granted. Yeah, you know, and I I was thinking about this earlier today about because I for some reason on Facebook Reels I got all these like cop videos of cops doing bad things and these guys that know the law kind of like expose them and stuff like that. But you know, like that job is so like stressful in and of itself, right? But my point was that if we don't have um, stressors, right, in our life, right, if we had no stress in our life, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be talking on Zoom right now, we wouldn't have internet, we wouldn't have, um, you know, cars, we wouldn't have like, because things would be so easy, right? Why would we need to innovate and make things easier for us? If life's already easy, right? So like, we have to have these stresses in our lives. And, you know, some people look at their, look back at their lives and like, oh my gosh, I hated this moment. I hated this thing. I hated that thing. But 
that's what made that person, right? Like Mike Tyson isn't, isn't Mike Tyson if he didn't have that rough upbringing. And Michael Jordan isn't Michael Jordan if he doesn't have that, like, I need to win, I need to win. And Tiger Woods isn't Tiger Woods if his dad's not yelling at him, get on the course and play play golf all the time. So it's like, yeah, we don't want our life to be a struggle and um, and like super stressful, but we do want to have stress in our life to make us better, more resilient and for us to grow. Um, because if we don't, then we just stay stagnant. The irony of what you just said is that if you look at business and you look at development in business, right? Mm -hmm. Development in business only happens when there's need, right? Cars only were developed because people needed cars, right? They wanted, there was a spread of globalization where they need to get from place to place and there was too 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 much to walk right yeah it's funny because we see that standard of like industrialization and development around need but we don't understand that the human body does the same thing yeah right like we adapt based on need right and so like you know i'm not well educated enough in the 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 evolution of humans or species or things like that that's that's not where my nerd usually goes but you know i think we've de-evolved as humans like i think we're worse versions of ourselves than we were in the 1930s and i think certainly worse worse versions of ourselves from before that and that's something that they say is like jordan peterson talks a lot about society the goal of society is to provide safety and with safety comes comfort, and with comfort comes this de-evolution, evolutionization, right? Yeah. And he talked about it with the Romans. He basically talks about it with all major societies that have fallen, is that they've gotten too comfortable. As they get too comfortable, they're not resilient enough to sustain. Yeah. And that's why he always talks about that, like, warrior in a garden, right? Where he says yeah. it's better to be a warrior in a garden than what the, the gardener in, in the, the world. world. Right. Yeah. And what he says is that you need to have the capacity to be a beast, and be an animal but be able to sheath that right and i think that's something that's really important is like that we're losing sight of and i think why i want to hammer this home so much right is if we have control over our epidemiology we can make ourselves whatever the fuck you want to be like what do you want to be like and if you want to be if you want to if you want to be smart be smart like if you want to be strong be strong like and I understand like there's perspective around all those things, but what I'll say is that, you know, I've devoted a lifetime towards strength, right? I didn't wake up like super strong. Like I might, I maybe had like some genetic predisposition towards it, but that doesn't mean I'm going to reach it yeah. unless I do the work. Right. And so, yeah. you know, I often get asked, especially now that I'm running a gym, how, like, how did you get so strong? And people like, I think they keep, they continue to wait for me to say like, this one program changed my whole life. Yeah. And the answer is always the same. It's like, I'm 40, I started lifting weights when I was 14. So consistently lift weights on average for four days a week for about a math, 26 years. (laughs) Like, you know, you'll reap some benefit, right? Like good things happen. And so... You know, I watch um, Amir Beard the Best You Can Be on Instagram, right? Yeah. 
and Beard the best you can be. His name's Amir, everybody. But um, Amir wasn't always like this. And if you watch his videos, he can do some crazy stuff with his body. He'll also be the first one to tell you, and I've heard it from him firsthand, that you know he used to not be able to touch the back of his head, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting in his case, he went from not being able to touch the back of his head to one of the most flexible people. I, I don't know. Like he's borderline circus LA, right? Yeah. And when you ask him how, he's like dedicated mobility training for a long, long, long time. He said it took him like five to seven years to get where he is, right? Yeah. And so the irony of this is he expressed a gene in terms of epidemiology to get Jack's. And then he went and he changed the whole system. The whole structural system is different now, right? Which then also begs to argue that, like, how adaptable are your muscles, right? Like, if you develop your muscles, you can do whatever the hell you want with them, which is interesting in its own right, like, by the way. Yeah. And that, like, epidemiology is just the ability to express strength, right? How you express strength is different. And everybody thinks expressing strength and mobility is different than expressing strength in, like, physiology. They're the same freaking thing. It's just a matter of how you want to create expression. Another podcast, probably. Um, <laughs> I can rant and rave about that one, but um, in the end, end range control is end range control. Um, but it's just interesting to me when you look at people and you take these general rules. And again, people ask me a lot of times, like, how do you come up with this shit, man? Like, what the hell? And my response is kind of always the same. It's like, I have a few general rules around physiology that makes sense to me that I understand that that had proven to be true. And then I, I look at everything in the scope of those rules. Right. Yeah. And genetic freedom is, is a rule I really believe in. And so again, if you're listening to this, my hope is that you realize how much control you really have over your story. If they tell you of elder downs, you're okay. If they tell you you're on the autistic spectrum, you're okay. Like it's just learning how to play within those rules. And if you can do that, like you're going to be just fine. So I really just want people to hopefully gather from this, that no matter what a doctor tells you, no, no matter what a a therapist or psychiatrist tells you, you're in control. You can change your current status, whatever that status is. It can be changed. Expressing the proper load in accordance will change it. Whether if you're depressed, we know that jumpstarting your system gets it done, right? If you can find, if you can find it inside yourself to get on a stationary bike and pedal as fast as you can, we know that the glycogen production will take you out of that freeze state and move you into fight or flight, which is production, right? And if you can find the will to do that every day, that that load will reverse the way you you process right if you can create enough exhaustion you're going to go to parasympathetic instead of going into that freeze state right because that freeze state is cumulative anxiety right and cumulative anxiety we know is from excess glucose so the irony is too much glucose you're depressed too little glucose you can't get out of depression which is messed up when you think of it that way, but it's, that's how it, that's how it functions. You know, it's that simple. So you're the boss. And if you can't find the way to do it, find somebody that will support you in that. I have a patient that I work with right now who she's kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit. And literally 
what I do for her on a daily basis is just to text her and ask her what she's done in terms of exercise. My question to her every day is, what have you done today? Right? And that works for her. Like we've talked about this and it works. We get together and have conversations and discussions. It's not about movement anymore. It's not about, it's just, how do you feel? How can I help motivate you to do something every day? Right? You can create change. You can do it. There's people out there that'll help you. And I just hope that people take this enriching information and find a place for it in their hearts. You can do whatever you want with your body. You can express whatever sort of genes you want. Just proper load will do it. Yeah. And I, I think just to kind of um, be on that, uh, what is it? Devil's advocate. Cause I know some people will, will hear this and, and you've had experience with this too, is like, they'll take that to the nth degree, right? Like um, a druggie that has like been through it and wants to change. And then he gets into CrossFit and just goes crazy in CrossFit. Right. Um, but to utilize Jordan Peterson's point, right. It's like, yes, become a beast. So like get on that bike, get out of depression but now that you are, you know, a beast in cardio or the bike or the fan bike or whatever it may be, now you have to learn how to tame it, right? And so that's where that, um, I guess, inner work would be of like, okay, I've been doing, you know, an hour of cardio every single day at like my maximum and my body's starting to deplete it's like okay let's get a little bit you know smarter with this and either back it down or change the the regimen or anything like that but that's like the taming part right like you have to understand that you can't just go from one and one nth degree to the next nth degree to the next nth degree because you'll burn your body out right and um you know for some people who um, are a little bit more cautious, right? I think, you know, just in my head, I'm thinking about um, people that hear like, oh yeah, you can reverse Ehlers down, um, but will like have this mindset of like, oh, but what if it doesn't happen, right? Like I do all these things and it doesn't work out, right? Like I think if, if you do that and it doesn't work, then there's that that taming piece of like, well, now you got to change, change what you're doing and, and find something or someone to help you with whatever it is, right? Whether it's loose joints, whether it's autism or, or whatever the thing may be, um, I truly believe there is something that you can't do. I don't think that there's like nothing that you can can't do if that makes sense <laughs> you can't can but can't we can you cannot um, not not i think i think you you hit the nail on the head man i think this this is where mentorship and we've talked about this in the past is everything right like reaching out to people who you who know you who love you who care about you who can offer some sort of feedback you know um I had a good conversation with a friend today and she just kind of reached out and was like, Hey, 
I just need to like openly talk about something really quick and, you know, hopefully you can kind of help me and like, sure, like whatever. So she, she talked and talked and she did her thing. And I gave her a little bit of feedback from somebody who'd been in a similar position as her. And she was like, thank you. That's what I needed to hear. It was like a 21 minute conversation. It was a conversation amongst friends. It wasn't like, she's not a client. She's, she's just a friend. And it's like, I know her well enough to be able to give some feedback and, she knows me well enough to know that I have an opinion on that topic. I think mentorship doesn't have to be sexy. It just has to be, there's just, there's just gotta be people that know you, that love you, that will give you real answers. And I think, you know, to your point, I think knowing where to shine your light and having some answers around that with people that care about you, I think is all you need. So um, I think this is a good place probably to stop. Uh, I think we've beaten the dead horse on epidemiology as we like to do. Um, those of you that don't believe me um, or Kai on this topic, um, I don't know what else to say other than uh, go read some shit. And <laughs> it's funny, all the feedback I got around people that didn't believe me, right? Like, great. Everyone was like, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, do me a favor, just Google epidemiology. And they did. And everything I got back was like, okay maybe you're right (laughs) the problem is like it's like it's it's so interesting because like nobody doctors don't talk about it like doctors just like genes 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 and i'm like they don't even know the word they just don't know how to express themselves oh my god (laughs) they don't have enough load yeah. I think this guy. is a good spot to, to stop now. Yeah, I think I think once <laughs> once dad joke comes out, it's time to go. Um guys, thanks as always for listening. Uh this is Noah at root.solution. And this is Kai at Control the Basics. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.